just test that one. Is that coming through? Yep, awesome. Um, yeah, so we are heading back into this series that we started at the start of the year called The Servant, um, where we're tracking through Matthew's Gospel and the next few chapters. Um, and yeah, particularly uh, going to be going through this in the lead up to Easter, through this sort of season of, of Lent over the next six weeks and, and Jesus' journey to the cross. And as we've been going through Matthew, we kind of see increasingly the, the, the conflict and the uh, suspicion that, that is happening around Jesus and the, and the sort of um, the cross is starting to overshadow his ministry more and more. Um, and we see that in this passage as well. It starts with this kind of inspection. And I was thinking it's interesting, um, we used to do lots of youth camps and um, we take kids away with SU camps and Youth for Christ and things like that. And, and obviously you've got a lot of kids together in like a dorm sleeping together. So it gets like pretty messy pretty fast. So, so one of the things we would do uh, most days of camp is you get up, you have breakfast, and then the kids have to go back to their dorm and they have to clean it. And they, they clean and they tidy. And then certain people who have been sort of designated as the, the judges or the inspectors come around and do an inspection. And it's kind of fun, but often kids would work really hard. They're doing it for points, and, and they make sure everything's really clean and tidy. Then the inspector comes, and they'll just pick up the smallest little thing that's wrong. Like, this shoe is just a slightly higher than this shoe, or this towel's just slightly out of, out of joint. And, and it's just this real nitpicking thing. But it's kind of fun, because it's just, it's just with kids, and it's a bit of a game. Um, but when people do that to you in, in life, it's not very fun. When, you, when you're working hard at something, or... Maybe you've done a really good job or something, or you just clean the house and someone comes like, you missed a spot. Or like, what about this? Or just like sort of nitpicking, like inspecting. is It's not really nice to sort of be under the microscope in that sense. And we kind of see that's what's happening with Jesus more and more. Um, that this is, he, he's coming under the eyes of the religious leaders and, and they're starting to scrutinize him and starting to inspect him. And what well, you could even say starting to really nitpick him as well. So this is what we're looking at today in this passage um, so the first verse in um, chapter 15, uh, we sort of see this. It says, some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So they're actually sent from the capital. Jesus is not in Jerusalem. He's, he's out. And they've traveled um, on, as an official delegation, official inspection, to ask him this question. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. So... Jesus is obviously doing ministry, he's teaching, people are healed, there's all this stuff going on, but the authorities are increasingly concerned about him because he's not really following the things he should be following or saying the things he should be doing. And that's part of this series of saying Jesus is, is sort of presenting as the Messiah, but he's different, he's a servant and his teaching is upside down. And he's not really following um, things that maybe uh, the religious leaders think that he should be. And and this is not so much an issue of hygiene, like washing your hands before you eat is a good idea, right? But, but this is more an issue of ceremonial um, purity and cleanliness. Um, yeah, obviously, there's, there's clean and unclean in the Old Testament and Leviticus, and it's important to remain ceremonially pure and clean. And basically, um, the, the issue that the, the Pharisees and the, the tradition of the elders is, is that to, to make sure that they're, they're sure that they're clean, they'll make sure they'll do this ceremonial washing before eating in case something could make them unclean. Um, the priests washed like this in, in the Old Testament. There's, there's commands about that for priests, but not just for everyone in the everyday. But it's almost like that the, the leaders have said, well, that's what's required of priests, 
we should just make that required of everybody. That's the safest thing to do. We'll all do the washing just like the priests do. But Jesus is, and his followers are not doing that. So Jesus kind of seems like a little bit liberal. Like he's not following the traditions. He's breaking the rules. He's, he's kind of making his own script. And the Pharisees almost present as the conservatives who are protecting the way, the, the tradition, the, the things that are there to keep us safe. And Jesus is disregarding it. So they're coming with that accusation. But when Jesus is inspected, he doesn't just roll over. He, he pushes back to this accusation and counter, counters them. In verse 3, he asks them a question. Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that, that what they might have used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they're not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So it's interesting that Jesus is being scrutinized for breaking tradition. But Jesus says their traditions cause them to break scripture. So it's a pretty interesting counter-accusation. And this is another sort of case around oaths. And there's, there's commands in the Bible about oaths, but then there's sort of these added um, traditions around how to know when to break over oath and when it's appropriate or not. And this is the case of someone who's made an oath dedicating all that they have to God, but then their family and parents are elderly and need help. And the official ruling and tradition is that this person's not to use that money to help because that money has been devoted to God and to the, the temple. And if they were to use it for their parents, they'd be breaking their oath. And they must not do that. So the tradition is sort of set up to protect people who have made oaths. But the tradition ends up causing people to break the commands of God. And it's, it's interesting because they are accusing Jesus of, in a sense, kind of being liberal and not honoring the traditions of the past. <laughs> but Jesus is accusing them that their traditions are causing them to not actually honor their parents and God. So, like, it's just an interesting thing, which I think is partly why he calls them hypocrites. They're, they're claiming to be honoring the past and honoring traditions, but their traditions themselves don't honor God or their parents. So what they're claiming is actually hypocrisy. He says this directly in verse 7. He says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And this is a sad situation. We see this in Scripture that in their passion to follow God and maybe their even maybe passion or devotion or anxiety to keep the law have added all these extra rules to ensure there's these safeguards and these barriers and there's these traditions to stay clean and pure and holy. But sadly, that those traditions have become the focus and then have actually gotten in the way of following God. They profess to be honoring God, but because of this, it's this distraction and this, this misguided focus that actually focus on human rules and human laws and not on God. They are accusing Jesus of being liberal. Jesus accuses them of not being conservative enough. They're actually not taking God's word seriously enough. We see that the Jesus' concern is not with human traditions or with innovations, but with the word of God. We can kind of set up this parallel, and, and 
of, of being either conservative or, or liberal or radical, but we actually see that Jesus in his ministry is both conservative and radical, <laughs> he, he, even in this story. He is conservative in his approach to Scripture. Jesus has an incredibly high view of Scripture. In multiple times, he says, it is written, and, and the, the prophets prophesied this, the Scripture cannot be broken. He, he has high regard for God's Word, yet he scrutinizes everything under the lens of Scripture, and therefore, sometimes he looks kind of liberal because he doesn't follow the traditions that are present. It's this great quote by John Stott. He says this, thus Jesus was a unique combination of the conservative and radical, conservative towards Scripture, and radical in his scrutiny, his biblical scrutiny of everything else. Actually, Jesus is both of those together, both conservative and radical. There's a danger for us, I think, in being committed to one of those two extremes too much. And again, sort of the, the, the world and culture is kind of polarizing more and more, and there's a danger of us to polarize as well and either kind of be really passionate about holding to traditions and the past and to things not changing, or to be always seeking something new and kind of disregard anything that is old. Um, but both of these really place um, often just personality styles or experiences above the Word of God. Um, actually, not to be committed to tradition or committed to innovation, we're actually like Jesus, to be people who are committed to Scripture, committed to God and God's revealed will. Um, I mean, you can probably even think about yourself. There's probably a tendency in yourself to fall to one of those two sides. And again, often it's probably just personality, upbringing, different things like that. Um, maybe you feel like a traditionalist and you value tradition. You value the past. You like things being protected. And there's good in that. But there's a danger that that becomes the focus and the lens through which we view Scripture, rather than actually using Scripture to scrutinize our traditions and actually say, do we have traditions and practices that appear biblical, that people are convinced are biblical, but when you actually look at the Bible, they're not. Actually, Scripture needs to scrutinize that. The same way for those who are innovative or, or radical or, or like things that are new and want to see change, there's a real core question that needs to be asked is, what is your view of Scripture? Because Scripture doesn't change. And actually what we're called to do is not come up with new things, but actually return to the foundation and what God has said and what God is doing and hold on to that, even if it's not popular. We're actually all called to be both conservative and radical like Jesus. Let Scripture challenge both, of our, both our traditions and our innovations, and let Scripture speak for itself rather than we just view it through one of those lenses. Because we can come to Scripture with, with one of those lenses and, and kind of make it fit us. And both sides often believe that they're biblical. There's a need, in a sense, to step back and say, let's let Scripture speak for itself. Um, as Jesus does. He's not concerned with human traditions or innovations, but with God's word. And so Jesus has been inspected in this sense, right? He's kind of come, they've inspected him, and Jesus has pushed back pretty strong, right? A pretty huge accusation. These guys are hypocrites. Um, and now he does something even stronger in some ways, is that he turns to the crowd. We see in verse 10, Jesus called the crowd to him. So he's having this interaction with the Pharisees. Obviously, like this sort of conflict, then he calls the crowd to them and publicly says, listen and understand. 
What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So they've accused him, like, like, why aren't you disciples washing your hands? Jesus has this interaction, and then he calls everybody and publicly says, right, that don't be so concerned about what's going in. Be concerned about what's coming out. Like, that's an incredibly bold thing to do in front of these leaders, and effectively shaming them in many ways. So we see in verse 12, um, it says, the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? <laughs> like, do you know they got upset, Jesus? Like, like, like he, he's being bold, and, and they're not happy. They were already inspecting him, and he doesn't toe the line at all. He, he is confident and speaks truth. The disciples obviously are concerned, but he replies to them and says these kind of two parables or metaphors. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them alone. They are blind gods. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Effectively saying, don't worry about them. (laughs) They're super worried. Oh, Jesus, these guys are offended. Jesus' response is, don't worry about them and don't follow them. They're not planted by God. They're not leading people in a path they can't see. And we see that Jesus is not really concerned with pleasing the ruling authorities. That's not his concern. Jesus' concern is not with pleasing people, but with speaking the truth. The truth is that the religious leaders in Israel at this time, Jesus says, are misguided, and therefore they are dangerous. They're actually appear to be passionate about God and his law, but actually aren't, because when God shows up to them, they scrutinize Jesus, and they nitpick him rather than believe him. It's interesting, um, part, of the, part of the issue with, with the religious leaders, we see that Jesus is passionate about speaking the truth. He's not concerned about pleasing people. But one of the issues that seems to be the case with the kind of religious leaders of the time and the, the Bible teachers and the scribes is, is that they seem to care so much about public opinion. They seem to care so much about what people think of them. And part of the, the concern even with Jesus is that people are going and following Jesus, right? And what's that going to mean for us? Um, they so care about being honored by people that Jesus um, speaks this um, boldly to them again in, in John five forty four. It says, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So because they're so concerned about public opinion, about being honored, about people being pleased, they actually, like Jesus says, are blind, can't see that God is right there in the flesh in front of them. But Jesus is not blind. Jesus' concern is not with human approval. Jesus' concern is not if people are offended. His concern is with speaking the truth. Um, Jesus is not only committed to Scripture in both conservative and radical ways, but he's committed to speaking truth and Scripture, even in unpopular ways. He's not worried about his reputation. At the same time, this could be misused. Obviously, Jesus is not reckless, like Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus waited for the appropriate time. But when the time came, he was bold and open and unafraid and not worried about people being offended. For us as well, there's, there's a challenge, I guess, for, for us to be willing to stand on the truth of Scripture and also to be able to speak and share 
not worrying about what um, uh, the, the response may be. Again, that doesn't mean to be reckless and go around bashing people with, with the truth. Um, other scriptures say we're to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, we're to, to represent God's heart in the way that we go about all things. But I guess there's a challenge that to, to, not, to, to like Jesus, not be concerned with human approval or public opinion or what's popular, but willing to actually speak truth, not to control others, not to force them to take our position. Jesus is not doing that. Jesus' response when they're offended is, okay, that's okay, let them be. He's not trying to control them at all. He's speaking the truth in love and letting them respond. This is not to make a point or defend our rights or demand something for ourselves, but simply speaking truth because it's true, because it's what God says, trusting God with the outcome. And the outcome for Jesus was his death. More and more that Jesus starts to speak the truth, starts to confront the authority, starts to be open about who he is, will ultimately lead to his death. So I suppose it's a challenge for us where we may kind of default to one of those extremes. Maybe the default is to pleasing people and not being willing to to speak truth. Uh, Definitely my challenge, probably, probably the more common challenge, that, that we tend to want to please and, and to speak something that's unpopular or difficult openly and honestly and humbly can be very difficult. At the same time, maybe there's a challenge to that, that, to, that there may be some personalities and, and on people on the other side where there's a desire to stir and to push and to agitate and to offend. And that, that's not God's heart and that's not Jesus' intention at all. It's the, the passion to speak truth. Both of us are actually called to let go of the outcomes and actually openly and humbly speak truth in love. So Jesus has um, given this new insight um, into understanding these traditions and even some of the rules around um, cleanness and uncleanness from the Old Testament, even around foods, which which Mark makes a comment on in his um, gospel in this passage as as well. So the disciples are still kind of confused as as to what he's saying, so they, they ask for explanation. In verse 15, it says, Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them, or don't, don't you understand, he could be saying. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile the person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So again, the Pharisees' traditions um, about washing and ceremonial washing of, of hands is all about staying clean and pure, and the, the, the safeguards to protect their purity, that they don't want to become unclean through eating an unclean food. Um, it's the focus is on protecting from external sources that may contaminate. There's kind of this assumption that Things are contaminating out there, and we need to protect what comes in, because otherwise we will be contaminated. Um, but Jesus highlights the true source of uncleanness, and it's actually not from the outside, it's actually from the inside. Jesus' concern is not with contamination from the outside, but with, from within. Um, he says food will simply pass through our bodies, but all kinds of evil comes out of the human heart and is primarily expressed in speech. Um, it's interesting, 
again, the, the Pharisees uh, have this paranoia about being clean, but in their speech, they are accusing Jesus. We already hear in, in their, their conversations, they're slandering Jesus and they're plotting his murder, all while caring so much about clean hands. Uh, they, they, their hearts are unclean. Jesus speaks the truth about um, human nature, and for Jesus, the, the issue is in the heart. And again, this is relevant to us. As, as we read through, we can't sort of just say, oh, Jesus needs to get the Pharisees. Like, like we have to read this, what is this saying, and how is this speaking to us today? And I think there's a tendency in us even to think that sometimes the issue is out there. The issue is with other people, or the issue is with the other side, or if this person just did this. And potentially, sometimes we want to protect ourselves from contamination and protect ourselves from, from those who don't agree with us, or, or from sinners, or even that divide I was talking about before, from liberals or from conservatives. Or we just want to need, to need to be safe and protected. But Jesus calls us to not place our primary concern in other people's sin and other people's issues and problems, but actually put the primary concern in our own hearts and in our own words and the ways that we speak. Um, he calls us not to firstly inspect others, but actually to inspect ourselves. Again, this is uh, incredibly relevant because we live in a culture where judging is just normal now. It's just everywhere. Just It's normal for people to judge each other, and, and social media is just all about that. There's so much anger and accusation and blame. Who's at fault? Complaining about the other side, just trying to find issues and, and whatever the issue is and whatever the debate is. Um, so Jesus' perspective is so relevant. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, in Matthew 7, Jesus says these, these verses that are, that are so challenging. He says in 7, 1, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Basically, we see in this, this passage, right, that the posture of being primarily concerned with others and their issues and inspecting them or being primarily concerned with appearance and how we appear and whether people are pleased lead to hypocrisy, lead to wearing masks. Is that The word in the Greek just means wearing a mask and being an actor or being fake. It, it, obviously, that's kind of funny what Jesus says about the speck and the log. It's kind of similar in this story that the, the, the Pharisees are so worried about contamination from the outside, but they're dirty inside. They're, they're paranoid about having clean hands when their hearts are filthy. And there's this hypocrisy that's there. So Jesus calls us not to inspect the world primarily or others primarily, but actually to shine the light on our own hearts, on our own speech. And when we do that, uh, the, the bad news right, is that it's way worse than we think. <laughs> It's not, that's kind of simple. If, the, if, the, if there's issues and problems out there, we just need to protect ourselves. Okay, we can do that. The Pharisees do that. Let's add all these laws and rules to keep ourselves safe. But no, if the issue's in here, it's way worse. The issue is actually the human heart that is contaminated, it's infected, it's sinful, and it's dirty. 
And there's a challenge for us to think, well, actually, no, it's not out there. It's not others. It's not just the world and the issues. It's us. And our concern then is to, to compare ourselves, not with public opinion or not even with each other. We're actually called to con- compare ourselves with Jesus and Jesus' kingdom ethic of love. Um, as we examine ourselves, we're to examine ourselves against things like Jesus' command to love our enemies and to love the poor and to be free from worry. New Testament um, descriptions of a, of a heart that's full of joy and peace and rest. And if we do that, we'll see that often, for all of us, there's issues that need to be attended to here rather than just out there. And the passage finishes there. That, that's, that's kind of it. Jesus just effectively says, no, the issue's not out there, it's in here. And there's all manner of evil that comes out of the heart and is often expressed through speech. But we know that that's not the end. Uh, the good news is that Jesus is a good doctor. He's incredibly honest in this passage and truthful because he's a good doctor who diagnoses the problem as the human heart. But through his death and resurrection, he will give himself and provide a way for the healing and the restoration of the human heart. He provides a way to be cleansed from the inside out. And as then we follow him, he continues to cleanse us and renew us and shape us as we walk with him. We see... Um, the, the main issue, really, is actually us just taking off the mask and coming to him honestly and openly. Um, people may accuse um, Christians of, of being hypocrites, often hear that accusation. In some ways, the best maybe way we can respond is say, actually, yeah, we are. Right? If you're a hypocrite and you actually confess that you're a hypocrite, you're kind of taking off the mask even there. Actually, yes, we fall short of Jesus' standard. Christians actually people who come together every week and say, we failed again. We don't live up to what Jesus calls us to. And actually the issue and the sad thing is that the, the tendency may be for us to hide that, to, to protect it through, through rules and regulations and traditions to try and stay safe so no one sees, or to, to protect it through pleasing and just making people happy and doing the right thing and to hide it. And actually, that's the worst response. The best response is actually before God, just to take off the mask, to actually open up the dirty, infected heart that we have and let him heal it. He doesn't want us to try and fix it. He doesn't want us to try and cleanse ourselves first. He actually just wants us to take off the mask and let him in. And he comes in to heal. We see Jesus is the servant who is radically conservative in his approach to Scripture. He's he's committed to God's Word, even challenging the the status quo and the traditions of the day. He won't affirm corrupt religious system. He's come to speak the truth and transform contaminated human hearts from the inside out. And what we do as followers of Jesus is not be people who claim that we have it all together. We're not people who claim that, that, that we're all good and we're fine and we're perfect. And not even people who claim that we have all truth. We're, we're people who claim we know Jesus. And we're people who claim Jesus is the one that didn't have a contaminated heart. Jesus is the one who perfectly represented God, who never acted or played or put a mask on. 
who was totally open and honest and vulnerable all the way to the cross. And he takes our sin and he dies and he rises again and gives us new life. And we come again and again and just confess we fall short, but he's transforming us and leading us and growing us. So we don't have to um, be people who are afraid of being inspected in a sense because we can openly say, yeah, we, we, we fall short. But we can also say that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, that Jesus has saved us, he's rescued us, he's taken our place. There's no need to fear being inspected or condemned because he's taken it on himself and he calls us now to grow and walk with him in newness of life. So as we, as we respond today, um, yeah, we're going to sing a, a song that I think just sort of um, yeah, relates well to that. Um, and a challenge, um, maybe different challenges that kind of highlight to you today in that. But I guess what's speaking to me and what, what I encourage you to respond is just a, particularly as we sing before God, to just come before Him open. And as we come to church together, we don't have to put on a show. God sees. God knows. And actually what He wants is just where we are, to just come before Him and offer ourselves and open our hearts and let Him in. So let's, let's do that. Um, after we, as we, we respond, we'll respond in song. And then after the service, if, if you'd like any prayer at all, you can come down the front um, as well. And we'll have some time of prayer too. So maybe you could stand with me and then let's pray together. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus, for your, who you are um, in your boldness and in your truth, um, in your wisdom in your passion for God, and um, your, your passion for authenticity and truth in the inward parts. And yeah, we just confess to you that, that uh, in many ways we can be actors and, and hypocrites and people who, who seek to protect God or put on a show, and we just don't want to do that. And we just ask you give us even grace to, to come before you openly honestly about that and come before you openly honestly with our hearts and, and the issues that are present. We thank you that you give us a new heart, that you cleanse us by your spirit. Uh, we just confess, though, that we continually need to walk with you and grow in walking by your spirit and putting to death the flesh. And just invite your presence and just ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd come, you'd touch our hearts, open us to you in deeper ways, soften us, renew us, and give us grace to, to walk in your truth and speak your truth in love in our world. Just pray this in your name. Amen.